are you scared of walking with Jesus? Or are you scared of what the world thinks if you're walking with Jesus? Are you are you just scared of anything that relates to Jesus? Uh, last night at uh, prayer night, our campus pastor shared a really cool perspective um, on a story that I've read a, a bunch of times, but because of reading different translations, I, I missed a key element in the story that he brought to light. And uh, this morning, I just want to share part of that with you and share some of the stuff I've been wrestling with uh, since hearing it. And that's what we're going to dig into on Bible Study Live this morning. So let's get started. What's up, friends? Welcome to Bible Study Live with Matt. I'm Matt, and we're going to just study the Bible live this morning together. Um, as always, I want to remind you, the whole idea behind this is to create some conversation without condemnation. So, listen, we're not going to always agree on the perspectives and the things that I wrestle with here, but the reality is uh, we're not going to argue about it because it doesn't matter if we agree. Um, we, we, it's funny, last night we um, watched an episode of The Chosen with my son, Liam. Uh, he's never seen it. He's uh, he's up visiting from Camp Lejeune, and um, one of the things that that was in this episode was this curiosity from the character who plays Nicodemus, and and he gives kind of this this talk to one of his young uh, apprentices, uh, one of his young, uh, I think it would be called it Talmudim, his his closest disciples, and Nicodemus is talking to this Shmuel guy, and. Um, and it was interesting because he gave Shmuel this talking to about, listen, you know, do you want to be open to all the new things that God has for you, or do you want to put God in a box, right? And so um, I share that with you because here's the deal. I don't have all the answers. I'm sure there are things that I'm going to wrestle with that I, I'm not going to get right. But at the end of the day, we have to have the freedom to, to really wrestle with God's word if we want to understand God's word, if we want to know what God is saying to us, we've got to have the freedom to explore and ask questions and, and things, um, which is, I think, pretty cool. I think that's one of the most amazing things about the scriptures is that God is still speaking to us through a book that's a couple thousand years old. So today, anyway, what we're going to do is we're going to wrestle with a, a little, little piece of scripture. Um, and what I'm going to do is I want to read through this with, uh, I want to read through this in the New Living Translation um, because I think uh, that's, that's what's going to give, um, give us a really good uh, perspective on the thing that I want to highlight today. Because just the, you know, often with Bible translations, you know, they're, um, they're trying to put things in the, like a, a spoken common English, which is good, but sometimes just the arranging of the sentence can literally change the direction of it all. Now, they're all telling the same story, but this part stands out to me. So I'm going to share it with you. So uh, let's share my screen, and uh, here we go. Reading from the New Living Translation, we're reading in John chapter 6, and um, <clears throat> we're going to read, uh, we're actually going to read John chapter 6 um, all the way to verse 21. So I'm going to put it in here, verses 1 through 21. All right, here we go. It says, after this, Jesus crossed over. Well, we got to see after what what happened right before that, because anytime it says after this. Okay, uh, witnesses to Jesus. Jesus was just talking about tes testifying on his behalf, um, you know, and he was telling the, the religious leaders, I'll, I'll accuse you before my father. Moses will accuse you. Um, you know, he was basically saying, I don't need your approval. God has sent me, 
right? Like that was that was what Jesus happened to be um, pointing out to them. So <clears throat> after this, you know, challenging engagement, this is where we're at. So chapter six, verse one. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip. He already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we work for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Now, let's stop right there. Can I just point out how I love what's what's going on here? Because Jesus always wanted his his followers. He wanted them to grow spiritually, right? Like he wanted them to to deepen their understanding. But also, I when I read this, I feel like Jesus also was trying to set the stage to go. So there's no possible way anybody can say oh, well, my disciples were carrying around some money, so they bought all the food, right? They didn't want people to be able to say, oh, yeah, no, that Jesus, that wasn't a miracle. His guys, they, you know, they were carrying around sacks of gold. They had money. That's how they fed all these thousands of people. So it seems interesting when Jesus is saying, you know, where can we buy them food? Uh, you know, uh, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? So bread, he only even asked about one thing. Where can we buy bread? And Philip's like, even if we work for months, we we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Okay, so now this is the fun part. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He said, hey, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what's that going to do with this huge crowd? Oh, man. So the first thing, and I love this when I read this, the first thing that I just, man, just feel right in my heart, is Andrew starts going the right direction, doesn't he? He's like, hey, there's a little kid here who's got some fish, right? Like, hey, there's a kid with his Lunchables over here. Right, like here's a stadium-sized crowd of people, a huge crowd, and uh, Philip's like he acknowledges there's no way, not a chance that we could ever, like we would have had to work for months to you know to be able to even feed these people, uh, and even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough. And then Simon Peter's brother Andrew's like, hey, there's a young boy, he's got barley loaves and two fishes, and then you know the translator puts a period here. And I just imagine this pause where he goes, oh, duh, what good is that going to do, right? Like, there's not enough. Uh, and the fun of the story begins right here. So let's dig into it. All right. So Jesus said, tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. Can I just pause again? Man, this was just getting me today. I love it that Jesus, the first thing he does, right, with the not enough, because, right, five loaves, a couple fish, that's not enough for 5,000 men plus women uh, and children. But the first thing Jesus did when he took the loaves, the not enough, was he gave thanks to God for what he did have. Can I just, how many times, how many times in our lives do we, do we cry to God for more, but we forget to just thank him for what we have? I'm going to be honest and say, that's a, that's a big time me trait, right? If that's ever been you, drop a comment and said that I have, 
if you've ever been in that boat where you've been like, God, I need this. God, I need you to carry me through this. God, you know, the bills are, are big and the, and the, the income is lean. God, I need you to help me. I need you to provide. I need more of your blessing. How many times have we done that, but we, we forget to stop and go, hey, God, thank you for the blessing you've given me. Hey, God, thank you that I have a roof over my head, even if the finances are slow and things might be late. How many times have you in your life been like, thank you, God, for providing me with an automobile, even if I'm behind in my payments and I've got to work to try and get caught up in life? How many times have you said, uh, looked at, in your fridge and gone, there's enough to get through the week, but I don't know what's going to happen next week. But you know what? Thank you, God, that there's enough for today. Like, how, how many times do we forget the thank yous and just cry out for the gimme mores, right? So I love this, though. I love, love, love the direction this conversation is going. So Jesus first, he stops and gives thanks for the bread. Then he stops and gives thanks for the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted after everyone was full. Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they go from not enough to we don't want to waste all the extra. That's beautiful. So they picked up the pieces and filled the 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. <laughs> all the scraps from, from the 5,000 plus people who had eaten from five loaves of bread. Isn't that crazy? That uh, When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he's the prophet we've been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. We'll pause there because the next part is really what today's episode about is about. But I wanted to I wanted to set the stage for what Jesus had just gone through and what everyone, including his disciples, had just witnessed. It says, when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, say it, miraculous, right? When people saw Jesus do this miraculous sign, they were like, surely he's the prophet we've been prophet we've been expecting. So they were they were ready. They were excited. They were like, yep, here he's it. And if you look at Deuteronomy 18, 15, and 18, 18, Malachi 4, 5 through 6, uh, uh, Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 and 18. You can read more about this whole thing about the you know, prophet they're expecting. So Jesus, knowing the hearts of people, seeing what history has done before, right? God didn't want people to be ruled over by other people but you know his people wanted a king wanted a king you read all about it in kings in the bible but but the people always seem to like oh we need that person to rule over us and tell us how to live and so jesus knowing they wanted to force him to be their king slipped away to the hills by himself other translations say he went up to a mountain to be alone so miracle happens thousands of people are fed the folks that see the miracle are like, man, we want him to be king. And Jesus goes, oof, it's time for me to step out for a minute and get off by myself. Got some fresh air. Often when we see Jesus slip away alone, that's so he can spend time in prayer, right? So even after, after something amazing happens, after the good thing happens, Jesus still goes, all right, now I need some time to be alone. So it's, it's okay for us to go, man, this good thing happened. Uh, I see some craziness coming though, so I need whew, I need some time to get back focused on what I need to be focused on. So Jesus does that, but this is where the story gets interesting, and this is today's focus. <clears throat> that evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, 
they got into the boat and headed across the lake to Capernaum. Hold on. Hold on a minute. They knew Jesus was up there, right? Having some time to himself, right? They, but they had just witnessed a miracle. But as it got dark, they were like, eh, let's get in the boat and let's, let's just cross the lake. <clears throat> Our campus pastor, Christian, pointed out last night, he said, they left Jesus behind to try and get where they wanted to go. And, and he asked a great question last night. I love Christian, man. He's such a good dude. Uh, he's not on social media, so you can't track him down. But, but he's our campus pastor at, pastor at Life Church in Sparta. He's such a good dude. But I love that he pointed this out. He said, when the darkness fell, those who were walking with Jesus, they, they left Jesus behind to try and get where they wanted to go. And then he asked the question, how many times in our lives have we seen somewhere we wanted to go? We felt like we needed to go. I got to get, I got to get to this thing, this point in my life. I got to get this thing accomplished. And how many times do we try and do it without Jesus, right? Without God, without, without prayer, without direction. How many times do we leave Jesus behind and for some reason think that, that that's going to get us where we want to be faster, right? So the disciples... <clears throat> we don't know why they left Jesus behind. It doesn't say like, oh, they were scared because, you know, I mean, who knows? Maybe they thought Jesus knew these people that saw his miracle. He, he was like, they're going to try and force me to be king. I need to bounce. Maybe maybe his disciples were down by the boat waiting on him. Maybe they thought, God, the people got him. I mean, who knows? We don't know, right? Maybe their fear was that the people got him, which if they were afraid of that means they didn't really trust who he was and what God's plan was for him. Right? So maybe they thought that, maybe they didn't. Maybe they was down there and they were like, huh, maybe Jesus already caught a ride across the lake. Man, we didn't see him. Maybe he's already there. Let's get in the boat and see, let's hurry up over there and see if we can catch up to him. We don't know what, what, but what we do know based on what John, the gospel writer says, is that it got dark. Jesus hadn't come back. So they got in the boat and started off toward Capernaum. Now it's interesting because he says Jesus hasn't come back. So we can't infer from that what they thought. All we know is that they left without him. Maybe they were going to look for him. Maybe they thought he got captured. We don't know. But they left without him. Now, here was the consequence. Here was the result. Here was what took place when they left without Jesus. And it doesn't say because they left without Jesus, right? But here's what we know what happened after they left Jesus behind. It says, soon a gale swept upon them. That's like heavy winds, if you don't know what a gale is. A gale force winds. Talk about a hurricane. So it says, soon a gale swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough. Now, here's the deal. that Verse 19, they had rowed three or four miles. Then suddenly, they saw Jesus walking toward the boat. Pause. I did not show you the screen, so I'm going to show it to you now. That evening, Jesus' disciples went down the shore away from him. Darkness fell. He didn't come back, get in the boat. Verse 18, soon a gale swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed out three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on water toward the boat, and they were terrified. Ah, pause. Christian asked another good question last night. He said, when we've ever left Jesus behind, have we ever noticed that we oftentimes run into storms? I thought that was a cool question because it does seem true. Now, there are sometimes we do things on our own, and we get great results. And sometimes we feel like, man, I did this in my strength, in my power. And we forget to thank God for the fact that we're capable. We forget to thank God for the ability to learn. We forget to thank God for all the, the gifts, talents, and abilities he's given us. See, we've never done anything good without God. We just maybe didn't acknowledge that God gave us 
the ability to learn this skill, talent, thing like that, that God gave us breath in our lungs when we woke up that day, right? There's nothing, nothing in your life you've done without God. Even if you say, well, I don't believe in God, you don't have to believe in God for the fact to be that he allowed you to be born and he had a plan for your life before, before your parents even conceived you. And today, if you're watching this, whether you agree or disagree, God gave you the breath in your lungs. He created the body that can do what it does and breathe and live and sustain and, and a beating heart that, that powers a brain that controls everything. That is all a gift from God, right? So whether you, whether you believe in him or not, he believed in you enough to bring you into this world. That's a, that's a fact, Jack. Now, <clears throat> the crazy thing is, though, when this storm came, it says they were terrified. Now, this is interesting to me. They've been walking with Jesus. They literally just saw him feed 5,000 men plus women plus children. So they saw a miracle take place. Now they leave him behind because they don't know where he's at. And then, <laughs> and then a storm hits them and they see him, the miracle maker. They see the miracle maker walking on water toward them. And their first instinct was fear. They were terrified. It doesn't just say, oh, they got a little scared. It says they were terrified. I was wrestling with that last night and I was writing some notes down. I was just kind of going verse by verse, picking it apart. Like, why did they, why did the disciples leave him behind? What could they have been thinking? And then I'm like, and how could they have not seen the storm sweep up? Right? Cause you could see a storm coming, but it was nighttime. So maybe they didn't see it, but it's interesting because a, a, a fair number of these disciples were fishermen, right? So they would have known how to gauge the sky, the weather, the temperature to know if it would be a good idea to get in the boat or not. So, it would seem like this entire storm was just another opportunity for them to recognize the miraculous, right? First things first, they're like, man, we don't have enough bread and fish. How are we going to feed these people? We don't have enough bread. If we were for months, we still wouldn't have enough money to buy bread for all these people. So they had to acknowledge what was humanly possible, and then they got to witness the miraculous. And after seeing something that amazing, right? So it removed all possibility that it could be done by man and a miraculous thing happened. Now they get in the boat. These fishermen would have known seeing a storm coming in the sky. They would have, it would have been something they were familiar with and they didn't see that. So they get in a boat, start to cross. And what happens? A storm comes out of nowhere. And when they see like, right moments ago, hours ago, probably they were afraid they couldn't feed all these people. And God, what would happen? Right. If they, feed these people would they start getting angry when they get upset so maybe not the same kind of fear but hours ago they're afraid something can't happen and then something good does now they're ter they're out in the middle of a storm that's got to be uncomfortable and they see jesus again with them and their first instinct is to be terrified and how does jesus respond to them? it's like you idiots why are you scared you dummies nope here's what he does they see Jesus walking on water. They were terrified, but he called out to them. Don't be afraid. I am here. Uh, I heard someone the other, a uh, couple weeks ago say, do you know how many times, I think it was Craig Groeschel in this book, my wife and I were listening to. Um, do you know how many times in the Bible it says, do not be afraid? 
now it's like Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. You know how many times it says, do not be afraid in the scriptures? 365. There's one for every day of the year. Do not be afraid. 365 times, don't be afraid. That's one for every single day of the year. I love that. But our story is not finished. It almost is. So they're terrified. He calls out to him, don't be afraid. I'm here. Then it says this. I don't know what this footnote says. Oh, I am is here. So <clears throat> the Greek reads, I am is here. Okay, pause. That is a very interesting thing. So the NLT translates it as, don't be afraid. I am here. But the Greek reads, uh, I am is here. Now, for those of you that are unfamiliar with why that's important is because God referred to himself as I am, right? Like Moses is like, who, who do I tell Pharaoh or the, the, um, the Jewish leaders, you know, that are being held captive by Pharaoh, who do I tell him sent me? I don't even, you know, I don't, who do I tell him? And God was like, tell them I am sent you, <laughs> right? Like God is I am. And so now it, this, the, the original Greek says that when they see Jesus, they're terrified, but he called out to them, do not be afraid. I am is here. What does that mean? Do not be afraid. God is here. Right? Could be thought of as like, don't be afraid. God's with you. Oof. Boy, does that change the context, doesn't it? I think at times we leave without Jesus. We're walking without Jesus through our life on a journey trying to get to the place we're going. And we face storms in our life. You know, there's one thing that I noticed about this just now. Here they are facing a storm. And not one spot here does John say. And when the storm came, we cried out to Jesus. Not one spot does John say. When the storm came, we started praying to God. Instead, it says, a storm grew down. The sea grew rough. We're three or four miles out. And when they see Jesus walking on water, they're scared to death. And what does he say? Don't be afraid. God is here. Mm. And how do they respond to hearing that? Here's how they respond to hearing that. They were eager to let him get in the boat. And what happened? Immediately, they arrived at their destination. Boom, teleport. They're at their destination. So we're wrapping this up, and here's what it is. And here's how I'm going to end it today. When we walk without Jesus, when we leave him behind, whether we're with him or not, we're going to face storms. But when we leave him behind and we face the storms, first thing we need to do is cry out and say, God, be with me. And the next thing is this, when we see God trying to impact our lives, instead of being afraid of the change and the things we don't know, let's embrace him and trust that he's going to get us where we're going and he can do it faster and better than we could have on our own. I love you guys. Thanks for tuning in to Bible Study Live. We'll see you tomorrow.